Do you like what you're hearing? Help us celebrate our one-year anniversary. You have until November 13, 2018 to leave us a written review along with a star rating. Then shoot an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com with your username for a chance to win a copy of SparkJoy signed by Marie Kondo. You can visit sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash iTunes for more details. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Have you ever said to yourself, I'll never be organized? I've been this way all my life. I always struggle to keep things tidy. I'm such a hoarder. Why can't I be and stay organized like everybody else? If this self-talk sounds familiar, then this episode is for you. Today's guest is Christy Meyer of Simple Surroundings Consulting. Christy is a certified KonMari consultant and a certified professional organizer based in Charleston, South Carolina. She is also an Institute for Challenging Disorganization Specialist in Chronic Disorganization, Hoarding, and ADHD, and a longtime member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. For the last 10 years, Christy has been helping her clients achieve dramatic change that forever transforms the way they feel and function in their homes. Welcome to Spark Joy, Christy. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. So you're a professional organizing vet with 10 years of experience in the year about. What drove you to get started in this business? I actually started my career as a teacher. I was teaching for 13 years, grades K through eight. Wow. And uh, well, one of the things I noticed right away was that academic performance could really be correlated to how organized a student was. So I went right in there and no matter what grade level I was teaching, I started putting in organization skills. For instance, I had three ring binder checks and I would have them set up their binders with a table of contents. And every time we added new notes or a new worksheet, then I would have them go in and add it to the table of contents. And um, I also had a lot of fun doing book bag cleanouts and having the kids organize their desks. It became really popular to where my school started asking me to teach organization skills to all the students. So I started with that. And then it moved to adult education. And I taught some after school evening programs for adults on organizational skills. And it went past like scheduling to actually organizing their homes. And one day I'm like, hey, I could do this for a living. Well, I'm thinking how amazing it would have been for me to have had a teacher that was that interested in organization. That just sounds so great. I'm sure the kids really enjoyed that. Well, they did. Yeah. It was a skill they really were lacking and they were thrilled that I took the time to do it. Yeah. And I bet a lot of them have benefited the rest of their lives from something like that. That's really a great thing to be teaching. Then you transition to becoming a certified KonMari consultant. How would you compare your traditional organizing experience to your KonMari practice? Really, for me, it was very similar because from the very beginning, I knew that I wanted to focus on the deeper psychological aspects of stuff. 
I had never had an interest in just going in and organizing a closet or organizing just one cabinet. I wanted to go in and organize an entire home and usually a severely cluttered home. And I wanted to have a really huge impact on their physical space, but also their mental space. I was already doing whole home organization and I was already going by category as well. Mm -hmm. So the big thing Marie's book did is it gave me an order of categories that is absolutely brilliant. And I hadn't thought of going in a set order. One of the things that really triggered me to get into the Kamari and add that to my practice was actually my own personal Kamari journey. And as you guys know, we have to go through Kamari in our own home before we become a certified Kamari consultant. When I went through mine, I was expecting very little. I'm like, okay, I'm a 10-year veteran organizer. You know, what could this possibly do for me? But I wanted to go through all the requirements and wanted to see what it was like myself. And when I went through, I thought, hey, this is amazing because I actually got rid of a whole bunch of notes from my current career. And I had always held on to like every class I'd ever took. I held on to the handouts and all my handwritten notes and held on to any kind of work that I had gotten from mentorships. And I finally, I said, okay, even though this is my current career, I'm going to let things go. So I thought my big thing was letting go of these seminar materials and realizing that what I had left and what I decided to keep was actually now relevant to me because I was actually rebranded and there was a lot of information on website building and SEO. But what happened was what I call aftershocks. About a couple of weeks went by and then I started to realize other stuff around me that seemed to really change just my outlook and my thoughts about what I wanted for the future. I'd say about a month later, I realized, hey, I'm over here training to be a Kamari consultant, but I skipped like one of the basic steps. I did not go and envision my ideal lifestyle. So I backed up and I decided to sit down and really give that a lot of thought. And I think the main reason that I skipped that was because I am actually 47 years old. Any kind of visions I've had are for my daughter. She's a 15-year-old, so I'm thinking about her college and her career. But I started to realize that, hey, I'm not dead yet, and I have plenty of years left. <laughs> so I need to sit down and come up with my you know, ideal vision. So now I have all kinds of plans. I'm going to travel. I'm going to live in a big city, and I'm going to go ride all the roller coasters that I can. But when I went through that process, and I'm like, hey, again, a 10-year organizer, I did this process and it really turned out to be life-changing, even though it turned out to be that way a couple of months later, I realized that this is going to benefit my clients so much. This is kind of the life-changing aspect that I have been missing. So adding the Kamari practice into my organizing that I've been doing really has made me focus more on the vision. I love how you were able to blend the two. And really take a step back and focus on that step that we often talk about here on Spark Joy, which is defining your ideal life and your ideal living environment. Even uh, someone who has been around organizing can benefit from this process. 
I know I neatly thought I was organized as well and really shifted my whole idea of what organizing truly means when I ran into the Kamari. So I love that aspect of your story. And for our listeners out there who are looking for more information on how to nail down the Kamari vision or the vision of your ideal lifestyle and living environment, you can check out Spark Joy episode five for a lot more information there. All right. So Christy, I want to dig a little deeper into your background and specialty, which is the chronic disorganization and compulsive hoarding. You've even appeared in an episode of Anne's Quarters as an assistant organizer. We've had two professionals from the show Hoarders on Spark Joy. Dorothy Brenninger and Dr. Melva Green joined us in episodes three and 19. So I'd like to start with the question that we pose to them as well. How do you define chronic disorganization and compulsive hoarding? Yeah, Dorothy was the lead organizer on my team, and she's also a mentor of mine. Awesome. When it comes to chronic disorganization, you really look at four qualifiers. And one of them is that the disorganization has gone on for a really long time. There's another thing that we call situational disorganization. If uh, you're going through a major life transition, you have a new child or you have a divorce or there's a death, then that can end up in temporary disorganization. But the chronic has to go on for a very long period of time. If you find that it really undermines your quality of life, then that could be considered chronic. It also has to be that you've tried to get organized multiple times and that it hasn't worked. And also the outlook or expectation for change in the future is really low. There's often thinking that, you know, I'll never get organized. I can try this and I've tried it before, but I'm never going to be able to do it. Very interesting. And are there some telltale signs as well? Definitely. If you're having problems with just overwhelm, if the disorganization in your home is causing you to be embarrassed that someone else may come in. If you walk into a person's house and you see organizing books laying around, I think that as consultants, we see that a lot, then that could be a sign of attempts to get organized in the past. Also, if you are misplacing items or it's really hard for you to find something, um, if you have storage areas that are really full, also people with the reliance on visual cues to take action. Like if you walk in and there's a lot of sticky notes or paper piles that they're keeping there to remind them to do something. And also difficulty in making decisions comes in. There's the feeling that they really should be able to do it on their own and they get really frustrated that they can't do that. And we often find time management and project management issues as well. Often like a lot of projects going on and a lot of unfinished projects. I'm curious, Christy, do you separate and distinguish chronic disorganization and compulsive hoarding as two separate challenges or are they kind of linked or somehow connected? There's a continuum. When you look at someone's disorganization, um, we can start off at something very mild and then we can go to chronic and then you can, you know, go progressively higher and end up into a hoarding type situation. But hoarding disorder is just that. It's an actual mental illness defined by the DSM. It has some different characteristics in addition to what you would find in chronically disorganized people. I know that you've been a big proponent of the idea that's been met maybe with some controversy in the Conrad community that people that suffer from chronic disorganization or even hoarding can still benefit from the Conmari method. 
But I'm sure that there are some adjustments and modifications that you make with your clients. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you practice Kanmari with those clients? One thing that I always do, and the reason I say that the Kamari method can work for everyone, including the chronically disorganized and people with hoarding disorder, is I always keep the basic rules of tidying or the core principles of tidying intact throughout the entire process. So I keep the commit to tidying, envisioning the ideal lifestyle, finish discarding first, tidy by category, follow the right order, and ask if it sparks joy. So what I do is make some adaptations when going through that process and going through the categories. And I also do some adaptations at the end during final storage. What's interesting is there is a expert in the field um, named Judith Kohlberg. She defines in her book, Conquering Chronic Disorganization, that chronic disorganization is the result of the bad fit between people who organize unconventionally and the very conventional organizing methods which exist for them to use. So given that definition, I come up with some more unconventional ways for them to go through the Kamari process. The five that I tend to use the most and suggest that others do is make it social, over-personalize, make it emotional, adapt to your individual learning and organizational style, and to set up a maintenance plan. Let's start with number one, make it social. With make it social, we find that people who are chronically disorganized do not do so well doing solitary organizing. So basically, they just need someone to be there. It doesn't have to be a professional organizer or a Kamari consultant. It can be a friend or a family member. But I do use caution because oftentimes with our friends or our family members, there's been some negativity or some bad feelings that have developed around the clutter. So just make sure that you pick someone that's a good fit. I find that when it's a social process, that having someone there really grounds the person and really keeps them in the moment. The person that's being a a body double can do many different things. They can just go through and do like just simple tasks. When they're going through papers, they can place the papers in the recycle bin or put them into the shredder and things like that. Or they can get involved a little bit more like I do, and they can become kind of like the cheerleader and they can be the happy and energetic and do a little bit of light conversation. And also they can be a motivator and a strategic person and help them by bringing in some humor. So by body double, you mean someone who can basically be another pair of hands and can help free of judgment and be objective as well. So they're only bringing positive energy to the situation? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's move to the second rule, which is over-personalize. Conventional organization, it puts an emotional distance on purpose in between the person and their clutter. And we see that people that are chronically disorganized tend to have a very personal relationship with their belongings and Mm -hmm. sometimes even giving kind of lifelike qualities to their belongings. And so what I do and what I suggest people do is just don't ignore that, go with it. And over-personalizing is actually exaggerating the feelings that people have with their stuff. And I have a really good example that um, I love to share. One of the first times I tried to use over-personalization, I was working on a book category and 
what I had the person do because when they first looked at their books, they were like, I absolutely love books. There is no way I'm getting rid of these. As a matter of fact, we might as well just move on. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's just try it. What I did, um, which is actually a method that was used by Judith Kohlberg, I asked her and without defining it, I just said, okay, we gathered all your books together. I would like you to go to your books right now. And I would like you to pick out the books that you consider your friends. Of course, I get a really quizzical look and I'm like, you know, just whatever you consider a friend, everyone defines it differently. Just go pick out your friends. And she immediately went and started picking out her friends, big smile on her face. And she announced to me, okay, yeah, these are my friends. And I was like, okay, that's great. Now I'd like you to go ahead and pick out the strangers. And by that point, she realized, okay, she's not going to define it for me. So she just (laughs) starts going through and she starts setting aside a big pile. And she said, okay, these are the strangers. And then we're left, of course, with a pile of books. And I said, okay, now these books that you have, they're not your friends and they're not strangers. So we could consider those acquaintances. So these are the books like people who kind of come in and out of your life. They had some kind of effect on you, but their purpose has been served. So when you're left with the books that are only your acquaintances, then they've already served their purpose. It's okay to let go of them. And rule number three, make it emotional. Tell us a little bit more about that one. Typically with traditional organizing, you focus on the logical aspects. You don't really get too much into the emotional, which again is one reason that I love Kamari and one of the reasons I believe it really fits well with the chronically disorganized. I try to make use of that and get very emotional while going through the process. One of the ways I do that is ask people, especially if you have someone there with you, when you're looking at different items and you're holding them in your hands, talk out loud, whatever you're thinking in your head, vocalize it out loud. And yes, you are going to be sitting there talking to yourself, but um, that's okay. For instance, if I have someone who picks up a dress, a really lovely floral dress that they used to wear when they were younger and they were thinner and they had really good times in this dress, if they're talking out loud, I would be able to hear them saying things like, oh, I really love this dress. Oh, it reminds me of that time, you know, when I used to have that wonderful boyfriend and this great friend group. And it was a time too when I was skinny. But I can go ahead and let this go because I had really great times. So I'm going to say thank you and I'm going to let you go. So the person who is organizing with this person can say they were doing fine. So they didn't even have to say anything during this process. Now, on the other end, could be a person who looks at that same dress and they could be saying things like, Oh, I really love this dress. It reminds me of those times when I was skinny. There's absolutely no use for me to keep it because I'm not going to use it, but I really want it. And then you can kind of break in as that body double and you can say, well, it sounds like it really sparks joy for you. So if it sparks joy, you can keep it. It doesn't have to be useful anymore. It doesn't have to be worn. And then you can go and suggest ways that they can keep that dress, some things that they can do with it. And what I've had some clients do is actually use the material to line their drawers. Wow. And I've also had them go in and just hang that up in like a little private place in their closet or in a spare room just so they can look at it and reflect on those memories. 
And another thing I've had them do with the item like that is just cut out some of the pieces of material and cover a bulletin board with it. Another really emotional thing to do is called treasure hunting. Again, it's so Kamari. Go you know, into this category and find your treasures. Find the things that you absolutely love. So again, the focus is not on discarding and picking out what to discard. It's on what sparks joy, what's a treasure. And another thing that chronically disorganized people really need since they have this emotional attachment to their belongings is they actually need permission to play favorites. Um, We're always told we're not allowed to do that. So like if you have kids, you're supposed to make sure that, you know, or say that one is your favorite. With their items, it's really good to just outwardly say you have this uh, collection of clowns that you've been accumulating for many years. And I know that it looks like just one collection, but among those, you may have some that really stand out as your favorites. And it's okay to get those that stand out as your favorites and pull them aside and keep those and let the others go. I really love the way that you've incorporated so much of the underlying kind of philosophy of KonMari in your practice, but you've turned it to make it very unique and special for your clients who are struggling with these issues. It's really very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say that when I became a KonMari consultant, I really didn't have to change that much Mm -hmm. because I was already using these non-traditional methods because of the fact that the majority of my clients are chronically disorganized. Let's roll into rule number four, adapt to your individual learning and organizational style. As a teacher for 13 years, I know that with every lesson, I always incorporated all the learning modalities. So I made sure there was something for auditory, kinesthetic, visual, and tactile learners. So when you're going through the Kamari process, and especially when you're setting up final storage, then go ahead and use methods to set up these systems and to teach the systems using all the modalities, and then figure out which ones are working best for you. Because most of us have, you know, modalities that are stronger and work better for us. I actually need all of the modalities in order to learn. So (laughs) I do many things at once. An example um, is when I was setting up a system for one of my clients, a male client, which is very rare for me. But um, when I was setting up a system after we had gone through all the categories and he was having a problem with time management and managing his to-dos. And I had learned throughout the process and I'd picked up on the fact that he was definitely a kinesthetic learner. So what I did is I had him get a large dry erase board and divide it into three sections. And we worked on the names together, but we decided to name the sections today, soon, and this week. So we got his to-do list together and I had him write down one simple to-do on each sticky note. And then we stuck them up on the dry erase board on those categories, what he wants to do today, what he wants to do soon, and then what he wants to do that week. He could then usually physically, you know, he could put them onto the board. And as he moved through, if there was something on his list for today and he didn't get it done, all he has to do is just unstick it. (laughs) If their priorities have changed, he can put it under soon or he can put it under this week. And the final golden rule, number five, for the chronically disorganized, set up a maintenance plan. 
It's called chronic disorganization for a reason. It is chronic. Some people may go through the Kamari method and be able to maintain it very easily. There's so many major transformations that people don't even have to consider getting disorganized again. But for chronically disorganized individuals, they really need some things in place like time management systems, paper management systems, project management systems, and the placement of their items. They need those in place and to have been practiced. And also they need to make sure you set up very simple systems and replicate those systems throughout all the areas of your home. So for instance, if you were doing the to-do list that I mentioned before, where you shift one to-do from like today into next week, then do the same thing with your calendar. Have a calendar that you can actually shift items around. Wow, Christy, these are some great tips. And we love tips here on Spark Joy. Before I let you go, I also would like to make sure I ask you to provide any resources for someone who may be listening to this episode of Spark Joy who believes that they may be suffering from hoarding or have a loved one who exhibits some of the hoarding patterns or chronic disorganization, and they just need some specialized support. Where should they turn? The first one would be the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. That's where I got my specialized certifications from, and they have a list of resources. And another one, I'm going to bring up Dorothy Berenger, and she has a site, Dorothy the Organizer, and she has a ton of resources there. Also, there are two books that I really love. One is called Buried and Treasures, and it's by doctors David Tolan and Randy Frost. And that book, if you search hard enough, it actually has accompanying workbooks that you can use. And if you have someone to do the organizing with you, they can go through and help you complete the workbook and guide you along. There's also a book that I love called Digging Out by Michael Tompkins. And for someone who is experiencing the effects of hoarding, um, but maybe the child of a hoarder or maybe just a friend or another family member, there is the organization called Children of Hoarders, and there is a wealth of information on that side. I would also really encourage someone if they think that they're exhibiting signs of hoarding to talk to someone who you think will be able to be supportive and non-judgmental. You may even want to consider talking to a therapist because hoarding is actually a mental illness. And of course, I would always recommend that if you are able to look into getting someone in the home to help you, if you don't have a friend or a family member, like a professional organizer or a certified Kamari consultant. Thank you so much for sharing those. I know they will be great resources for someone out there who may be struggling with this and needed some assistance. So Christy, you've shared some awesome tips about uh, chronically disorganized. And here we have a tradition on our show to specifically ask our professional organizers and our Kanmari consultants what their favorite tidying tip is. If you can pick just one, we'd love for you to share. It's hard to pick one, but I'm going to go with simplicity because simple surroundings is what I went with for my company name too. So When you are going through and organizing your items and when you're setting up your maintenance systems, keep it as simple as possible. Things are going to be a lot easier to maintain. And if you keep it very simple, it's also going to lead to more relevance to your current self. 
if you're organizing recipes, for instance, the less detail, the simpler it is, then the better. So a lot of people will get a binder and they'll have it divided up into like Greek food, Italian food, Mexican food. Instead of doing that, I ask for people to sort into broader categories like meals, desserts, and appetizers. So then when, if you have a simple system like that, when you go through to pick what to cook that night, then you're causing yourself to kind of edit that information as you go along. So you'll be like, huh, okay, I see this recipe here and this is no longer something I want to cook. So you'll kind of get rid of that recipe and let it go. And you'll also find your favorites that are the most relevant to your current self. And you may even end up putting those toward the front of your items. So keep it simple and keep it as less detailed as possible. And another thing that we ask our guests is, at this very moment, what is sparking the most joy for you? The Kamari Consultant Community. I am so happy to be a part of this amazing, diverse, talented, supportive community. They are so eager to help each other. And there's also just this huge desire to help their clients. And of course, another thing is my daughter. We actually, just a few days ago, we sat down to do something that uh, most people will consider really strange, seeing as she's 15 years old, but she wants one day to get a tattoo, um, (laughs) which uh, I, I must say that I have some myself, so I can't complain. And she decided, she came to me and she says, mom, I've seen that they have tattoos where you can get the matching. And if you like line up your arms together or say your shoulders, then the tattoo goes from one person to another as a continuation. And she says, let's pick out one of those for us to do someday. Wow. And oh my gosh, yes, my heart. I'm like my 15 year old (laughs) teenager who all she wants to do is, you know, hang out with her friends. She wants to do this with me. Now, of course, she has plenty of years to change her mind, but it was something very precious to me. And it was also something that allowed us to review all the things that we had in common. So when we were trying to come up with what we would get, we talked about all the books that we loved together and all the movies that we had seen together. So it was a really nice bonding experience that sparked so much joy. Yeah, that sounds great. So then finally, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? I would want people to find out if they are stuck and if they are stuck to do everything they can to get unstuck. And this comes from my own personal Kamari journey. I realized when I didn't go through the envision my ideal lifestyle part as well as I should have, and then I came up realizing that I had been stuck this whole time. So no matter what age you are, no matter what situation you're in, it's never too early or too late to take an inventory of your current life and to determine that if you're kind of stuck in a rut and if you are make some goals, do some things, and get unstuck. A perfect way to end. Get unstuck. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us here on Spark Joy, Christy. Thank you for having me. To connect with Christy, visit simplesurroundingsconsulting.com. While you're there, take her free quiz, How Organized Are You Really? So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. 
You can also join the Spark Joy Podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at Spark Joy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari Consultant Community.